that there are things and tools that are available to us to slow this thing down. Former administration officials last week wrote that open letter urging the administration to change course, to change strategy. Is it time? It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Every day it is time for us to agree that there are things and tools that are available to us to slow this thing down. We're fucked, aren't we? Drunk at the wheel, maybe? Mm-hmm. Or asleep? I don't know. Oblivious, maybe. Ah. Just... It's... <laughs> I mean, better comedians than us have made fun of this already, but here at Chop Shop, it's just vaguely horrifying. We uh. just put out that one about elite stupidity, and then... Yes, and then this happens. Uh. <laughs> just... Whoever's writing this shit, come on. <laughs> Indeed. God damn. I just... I don't know what to do anymore. I just... I don't. Like... I just... The... This is like the leading light of the Democratic Party. She is the designated successor. She is supposed to do what Clinton could not. And she is supposedly going to be our next president. And yet, we get this shit. We get this shit. Yeah. It's... (laughs) Oh, Jesus. It's, yeah. Like, on, like, it goes also to the, what's his nuts, the COVID czar. Mm -hmm. Jeff Zentz, who was, you know, remembered from the Obama administration, as many others have pointed out, as the quote unquote ambassador to the business community with no public health experience whatsoever motherfucker ran a private equity firm so yay he knows how to strip a carcass clean mm-hmm. that seems like the opposite of healthcare work to me <laughs> <laughs> I mean it maybe it's what you do after the morgue <laughs> or what they do in Soylent Green maybe I mean it's sort of healthcare in a roundabout way. It's keeping other people alive longer. Mm-hmm. Gotta carve it up most efficiently for the pigs. Or for the soybeans and lentils. Corpse starch. God damn it. This guy's only 
relevant experience is that he knows how to make metaphorical corpse starch. Yeah, we're we're really bang with house here. Yeah, and before you think we're just going to be riffing on Biden's COVID policy, we're going to sort of take a bit of a step back mm-hmm. and look at all the other shit that we've been following along the way and go, hey, what does this mean when two plus two is added up over here? And the math is a little scary. Yeah. Like the Biden administration's insistence that there will be no lockdowns at this point is starting to look like a dangerous fantasy. Yeah. Like, I mean, I sort of get why he doesn't want to push for that, but that's that's kind of fantasy territory, I'm afraid. Like, like you know, either everything's locked down or everything eventually just shuts down. Like, there's just, there's no avoiding this. And it's not like this is a question of there's no other way to deal with COVID than just to let it rip. And when you look in the Pacific Rim, and we'll get into this a lot more later, countries that have been applying different forms of zero COVID policies have had nowhere near like the infection and death rates that are seen in the United States, the United Kingdom, and to a lesser extent, some parts of Europe. Yeah. Just full stop. You're just not seeing the same numbers. Like if, just to put a blunt point on it, if China was following something approximating the American response to COVID, then at least 5 million more people would be dead right now. Give or take possibly more like just to uh, just to make a point i mean (laughs) it's kind of hard to argue the people that didn't die position but you know what Uh this is a pretty clear-cut case there but we're gonna get into sort of all these things that we've been following of the shit that's been falling apart in supply chains in labor that's been spurring a new wave of labor militancy and how this is all sort of adding up to that there's going to be an effective shutdown of the economy probably in the near future to a greater degree than would normally be associated with like say an economic crash and yeah <laughs> this probably is going to be coming down in the closer to the near future than one might like to see um yeah like the thing of it is is like i don't know i don't i don't think this can hold like Damn it, I was going somewhere with this. But it's... It's basically just, like... At this point... Like... You know, to... You know, take a little personal example. Um, 
my bus agency um, recently had to cut a quarter of its buses because there is nobody to do them. So they cut basically everything back to Saturday service for like 20 lines because apparently they don't have enough drivers. And it's not, it's actually not all that hard to see why because TriMed, our agency, is offering $21 an hour to deal with uh, basically everything that goes into, you know, being a bus driver in a major city. A $2,500 signing bonus, which is not that much, but $21 an hour sounds high, I realize, but normally, A, bus workers normally earn more than that. Significantly. Yes. Being a bus driver is like one of the few blue-collar jobs you can do that will actually pay for San Francisco rent. Yes. And the other half of it is... For a reference, our minimum wage is $14 an hour at the moment. Because this is a Portland Metro job, the rate is $14 an hour. It was bumped up since last year. Um, I think it goes through uh, July? Yeah, July. So, like, it's fourteen twenty-five now. It'll be 14 in a few months. All of that so you can be harassed on the bus. So you can have people scream at you and breathe in your face without a mask. And, you know, all the other fun nightmares of doing transit work in a major city. And they don't have enough people. And they wonder why. (laughs) And, by the way, being a bus driver requires specific training and licensing. So... This is a theme that's going to be coming up a lot in this episode. Um, mm-hmm. Like, And by the way, for anyone out there on left Twitter who's still trying to peddle that there's no labor shortage argument, stop. There is. We've talked about this before. This is kind of central to why what we're seeing is happening. Um, but before we get into all that, uh, we do have a Patreon that helps cover the costs of soundcloud and maintaining our sanity as we stare into the like howling abyss that is economic and business news Mm -hmm. which we could not do without the support of patrons and listeners like you yes five bucks a month uh patreon.com slash chop shop economics it pays our server bills go do it it also pays for what passes for our mental self-care that mm-hmm. comes with covering this beat. Yes. So, all that said. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't worry, don't worry, we folks. We cracked a long time ago. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> you may have heard it on one of our episodes. In fact. <laughs> uh, so. Th- the thing that starts it all off is lean staffing, mm-hmm. which, again, is something that no 
professional economists, or at least very few of them, are practically familiar with because none of them have ever worked in a job where that's a problem. Look at, like, half of econ Twitter there. Yeah. If you're on the business end of this, you probably know this as short-staffing or understaffing or... Why am I the only one closing tonight? Or so-and-so just got let go. Now you also have so-and-so's responsibilities. Yes. Which usually ties into why am I the only one closing tonight? And every business has been and is operating on those assumptions because if they don't then fucking private equity vultures like mr zentz over with the white house Mm -hmm. swoop in buy you up with a bunch of shitty debt and then do it anyway because then they need to offload the debt and pretend that this was somehow a profitable enterprise yep by the way, this is why we sort of have held to that the way that Wall Street works is mostly like fucking Lovecraftian sorcery. So mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a good example of that. Yeah. Like <clears throat> most of the complaints we got in my department during the one time I worked retail had a lot to do with the fact that they just were not staffing us. Like it takes so long. Why aren't you hiring more people? It's like they don't give us hours. What are we supposed to do? Like, no, I'm I'm sorry. Like, yes, I know I'm the only one here. I hate it too. Please bear with me. <laughs> like this. Oh, God. (laughs) Or it's like you're, it's you and one other person covering the entire floor. Mm Mm-hmm. Or it's, say, the Amazon warehouse, which, by the way, is built around lean staffing. So they sort of did the opposite thing of instead of, like, paring down to, hey, you're now doing three jobs for the pay of one. They just sort of start you at that and pay you barely anything at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, they pay more than minimum wage, but that's not saying much. Yeah. And, You're... you know, Megacorp is a really great bleak example of how much bullshit you have to deal with if you work at Amazon. Mm-hmm. Megacycle. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking cyberpunk dystopia. I knew we'd get the crumb. They're the cat girls. This sucks. Yeah. Well, it's the Jeff Bezos cyberpunk dystopia, you know, where music is not a thing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the point, lean staffing is everywhere, and we've been covering this in previous episodes repeatedly, that a lot of supply chain stuff is going back to that there is no one there to do the work and a lot of this work requires specialized labor like this isn't just something you can grab any joe off the street and go hey guess what now you're a longshoreman guess what now you're a railroad worker guess what now you're a long-haul trucker 
Like, or a bus driver. You can't do that. And it should be noted that I've heard the take several times of why doesn't the National Guard do this? Why can't they help? And it turns out that half the time it's either A, they've been sent to the Texas border to do fuck all with their thumbs up their asses. You know. Or they were already doing another critical job that the guard just pulled them away from. You know, you got like EMTs who were getting pulled out of their jobs to, you know, do National Guard shit doing EMT work. They just got okay. moved around. <laughs> like, that's that tends to be the reality of the situation as far as using the National Guard for everything. And we're even at the point that uh, as per Reuters on the 13th of January, Biden has started sending military health workers and like, so basically active duty army medics Mm -hmm. and others into plug the gap so we're already at the point of military personnel who are by the way necessary for maintaining the health care of the military mm-hmm. are being diverted to prop up the civilian health care system now like i'm sure at this point maybe this is slack capacity maybe i don't know all that earlier reporting about COVID being particularly bad around base towns has been cleaned up, but that that's not an infinite pool of people. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, I don't know if that we've necessarily talked about it on here, but like part of the problem in the military is that both they have too many people and not enough. And so it's like, I... I would not be surprised if this is pulling down critical capacity um, to shove. Like, I know it is as far as the National Guard deployments have gone, which is part of why it doesn't seem like they're doing as many of those anymore. But it's like sending active duty ones in there. That's not going to be that much better. Like eventually, maybe you could be like, "Hi, we're activating all the reservists with relative relevant medical training," but I'm mm-hmm. willing to bet most of them are already healthcare workers or fucked off really hard from the healthcare field by now. Yeah. So, like, there isn't. A, I don't. I I don't have hard numbers on that, but I'd be willing to bet that there there aren't more bodies that can just be drafted to solve these things in healthcare or in especially not in supply chains because large chunks of how that's administered in the military have been privatized. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's like, yeah. I mean, it's like, what do you expect? Like, do you expect them to just like grab all the surplus trucks from Gov Auctions and truck all the supplies uh, to where they need to go? It doesn't work that way. 
and and what's like running through all of this is it just sort of feels like biden and everybody is decided we're just gonna beat covid by attrition yeah we're just gonna fucking punch it out and economy our way through this mess and covid's been like neat i'll totally fucking do that especially because omicron is massively more infectious so that means regardless of differences in lethality and there may be some data from south africa that's recently come out which suggests it may be more lethal than has been previously reported (sighs) there's still the problem of if one variant is five times as infectious but only one fifth as lethal as say alpha you're still going to kill more people because you're rolling more dice and that's part of why i think you're seeing things like massive hospitalization numbers is because omicron is incredibly infectious it's rolling a lot more dice and that's adding up particularly in these places where people are only getting five days from the cdc before they have to go back into it I mean, weren't they basically just grabbing people who were asymptomatic? Oh, yeah, the California Department of Public Health authorized healthcare workers to do that on, like, January 13th, I think. Like, Uh, if you're an asymptomatic nurse, you can go back in. It's like, that one, I mean, I'm not a doctor, but that feels like you're running high risk of a more severe infection, and two that just means they're going to reinfect other people so presumably they send them to the covered ones like <sighs> in one of those you know cold equations ways i can sort of understand it but it's like that's this is black plague shit <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. This is like, fucking medieval. Let's be real here. Like, this is... I mean, we're not quite to, like, you know, Ebola level, so collapse. And it's like, yeah, some of us are starting to kind of catch on that it's not going to work like that. It's going to be more like, you know, the post-Soviet countries after uh, everything shit the bed, where yeah, sure, there's a few doctors left in this big-ass hospital. And, yeah, if you get in early and know the right people, you might be able to get treatment. But half the time, they're going to be like, uh, sorry, can't do anything for you. They won't sell us any supplies. Or we can't get any supplies, or whatever the case may be. Where basically the hospital still exists, but it's useless. Well, I'm particularly like looking at just from a labor perspective, again for a second, mm-hmm. even leaving aside questions as to the lethality of the Omicron variant, a serious COVID case will still probably knock you on your ass. Even a so-called mild Omicron case will do that. So from a having bodies in to make this lean staffing system work perspective you are constantly rolling the dice with staff in critical positions to see 
how many make it through the other side and you're going to just keep raising the risk of reinfection because people are coming in more exhausted and having to do more work so it's just yeah yeah it's it's not just like you know nurses and doctors and shit that get fucked up it's like well what happens if the it guy is out i mean what are you gonna do when you know that piece of shit hardware that was like running windows xp embedded um you know catches a crypto locker and oh the it guy is out so he or she or they can't go and fix it like uh like like this is the problem is that when you have (laughs) covid which not this isn't like you know a two-day flu thing this is knocks people on their ass for basically a work week Mm -hmm. and is and is incredibly infectious and virulent so the risks of contracting it are significantly higher so even if let's say this is more genuinely mild and it turns out it's more mild leaving aside definitions of mild it's still ripping through the labor force in a way that is extremely unpredictable, but pretty consistently negative for anybody who needs people to show up to do stuff on the job. Yeah. Like, yeah, of course the board and the administrators and billing are all, they're all remote. Like, you know, they're going to protect their bottom line. Can't have the people harassing you for hundreds of thousands of dollars can't have those people being sick but um if you work facilities or it or laundry or whatever you're just as screwed as you know the doctors and the nurses and the ras and all that like (laughs) oh we're talking like screwed we're talking like if you spend some time on med twitter it's it's getting really grim med reddit for that matter oh god i've seen some shit there (laughs) i mean at at some hospitals we're at that post-soviet Sure, we can admit you, I guess, but we can't really do anything for you. (laughs) We don't have any IVs. Or any, you know, blood. Yeah, yeah, there was... By the way, yeah, blood. (laughs) More than one case where they were like, uh, the hospital has free units total, and I just pushed two into this guy who needs more than that, and he died. Because, well... You know. Yeah. We, you, yeah. Where you supposed to do? <laughs> uh, and legit, like, as per the Red Cross, on January 17th, they declared, by the way, there's a national blood crisis blood is at its lowest levels in more than a decade um (laughs) if you're straight and you can donate then go do that yeah but that's that's just part of just all this everything with supplies and everything with people having to go back into work like 
when you look around enough on like nurse twitter in particular you get like tiktok videos of nurses like sitting in the fucking parking lot outside of their jobs just saying so i'm back and i'm like still having trouble breathing but they said i've been out long enough and they need me back in like just shit that's just yeah tying together something we mentioned earlier i remember this one that was like i'm working in a warehouse now it's less stressful you like or working at walmart because it pays better yeah yeah like working at walmart because it pays better or working at amazon because the conditions are better like how the yeah this is what is happening and there was even a great piece in scientific american where a nurse just sort of let rip on this is how we're feeling and it definitely emphasized the like you know lack of vaccination and proper adherence to public health protocols which i think is fair and i'm not gonna question any nurse in saying that but it's interesting that it And I'm not sure if this was in the author's intent or in the editing, but it sort of elides on that, you know, this is something that's going to continue to get worse. And that's Mm -hmm. bad (laughs) right now. Oh, yeah. Like. How. (sighs) How much can the system really take before it completely falls apart? Like. I know that in theory, in theory, um, the military could draft all people with health skills and get them to do the work. Now, of course, I don't know if they'll pay any better, which is part of the problem. But that is a thing that could be done. Um, But at the same time, it would probably spark a labor conflict. Assuming, of course, there was anybody there that could be drafted. Oh, no, there's plenty of people who could be drafted. Well, I mean, that aren't already either healthcare workers or are just, like, well and good and retired and out of the field. Like, like this feels like it's robbing Peter to pay Paul, to use, like, the old expression. There's no, like, how how is this going to duct tape together yeah (laughs) like i mean it's like where are you gonna find the people are you gonna like you could start drafting nursing students i guess the idea would be to draft people who have basically bailed out to go work at walmart um you know the sort of people who've already burnt out just go Oh, we're gonna force you back in at gunpoint, and yeah, we'll subject that... you to military discipline. <laughs> that I mean, does not. They might get that... paid slightly better, <laughs> maybe. I don't. I don't fucking know. Um, that that sounds like a really bad idea. <laughs> yeah, and like... it's like if you do that, you're basically. That would basically be the administration admitting it has completely fucked the dog. Yeah. 
and, and the same thing is happening in education. And this is particularly pronounced in New York and other major cities where students are going back in large numbers and they're reporting shit like two-thirds of their students being out any given day because they have or were directly exposed to COVID. And it's pretty consistently like described as this is in like intolerable conditions in terms of that they cannot effectively teach a class at all because anywhere between one out of three to two out of three students will be out on any given day. There's no way to have consistency. There's no way to be like, where the fuck were we on this? Because we were talking about Columbus with you bunch on Monday, but now it's Tuesday and we're talking about not talking about rather indigenous genocides and are just going to emphasize disease instead of horrible things that colonizers did. But I, I can't keep track because you were out for that and you were out for that. And, you know, you try doing that. <laughs> like anyone who ever is like, you know, saying, oh, it can't be that bad because there are some shits that do that as always. And, you know, I've been in front of classrooms of a wide variety and I'm ready to say, go ahead, then fucking do it. Go ahead. If it's so easy. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm just having flashbacks to that. You know, that fucking New York kid um, who posted, I want to say your Twitter or uh, Reddit, who was like, you know, there were several kids who are just like doing COVID tests in the bathroom and positive. One kid was like, he did his in the middle of a study hall and announced it to everyone, <laughs> which caused everyone else to fucking freak out. Like, this is the sort of shit you're dealing with. I mean, who wants who wants to deal with this? I mean... Literally the only thing... Uh, this is pretty fucking dark, so for anyone who's not prepared. <laughs> the only thing I can think of that has unambiguously been better about this is that at least like the number of school shootings are down that's because nobody was at school mm -hmm. god <laughs> god damn it <laughs> ah welcome to america where the only thing that solves the school shooting epidemic is a literal epidemic yeah. And it's like. Though I think that, like, as soon as things recover, it's probably going to rebound even worse because, you know, if you were. If you started out fucked in the head, like, these past few years did not fucking help. Well, shit, it's probably gonna graduate to the level of literally brown shirts. Like, let's be real. I, I think it's going to stop being lone shooters. Oh, Jesus. You know, I think it's going to be more Proud Boys shit. It may not be, like, mass shootings, but I think it's probably going to be more Proud Boys type shit. 
because now there's somewhere for that particular brand of angry white male to go. That's, yeah, that's pretty fucking dark. (sighs) I've done substitute teaching, K through 12, just saying. Mm, I'll I'll take your word for it, Dad. (laughs) Just, yeah, this is, of course, teachers have already been burning out. Like, there is a crisis within American education because teachers are not staying in the profession. Because... Duh. Why would they? <laughs> in states where there's strong unions, you do get benefits and decent pay, but you still have to do a lot of unpaid work, and you are frequently expected to, you know, make do with less resources. Like, there were some great memes that were going around during George Floyd where, like, the top was usually some version of like a cop being like how can we do our jobs if the public cuts our funding and then the bottom frame was like a teacher shrugging Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) so yeah there's definitely already existing widespread systemic burnout in american education so when you add in like all these stresses of COVID and just the inconsistency and uncertainty and that so far by early accounts there's no such thing as a stable learning environment under this reopening unless it's remote <laughs> which is its own form of burnout Oh boy yeah, like, we're we're kind of approaching a point where, like, I mean, on the plus side, there have been, like, there's, I'm not sure if it followed through, but there was a walkout planned in Chicago, and the Chicago Teachers Union has been consistently fighting Mayor Lightfoot, who caught COVID and went remote, while insisting all teachers go back in person. Mm-hmm. You can't write this shit. Oh, yeah. It's just too perfect. But yeah, it's... There's been... uh, Like, fighting by the teachers union, and we haven't checked in on this yet, but there was also a planned student walkout. There there was a student walkout at the most high-end high school in New York that's in the public school system. And there's supposedly talks of more walkouts. So maybe we're going to see students who have already been like traumatized as fuck by shooter drills and shit stepping up more because they just don't want to die of plague so um as it turns out they did on friday so that would have been 14th (sighs) yay good on them so yeah between students probably not wanting to go in and risk their lives on this shit and teachers not even saying we don't want to work just saying let's do this remotely because at least we can do it safely Mm -hmm. 
and consistently and actually get through the fucking curriculum. So... Yeah, it's... It, I don't know, I think, like, when you get down to it, when you look at the whole reopen schools shit that Biden was hardcore on, that was basically saying we need to reestablish America's adolescent care system so that parents can go back to work. Yep. Um, the union supposedly reached an agreement, but it was by, like... 55 to 45%. Ooh. Yeah. It was grim. That That's pretty, yeah. But, you know, we've got on one hand, the medical system is sort of on the edge of what looks to be a massive labor crisis. On The education system is also on the edge of a massive labor crisis, while student militancy is becoming a thing. Those are two things that are sort of essential for a society to keep functioning as it currently does. You know, just putting it out there. I mean, this isn't saying everywhere all schools are going to just go under, but or something like that, but you can start kind of seeing the cracks are forming. It's not the end of the world, but you can see it from here. Yep. And and then in the middle of all this, we have, again, the shit going on with supply chains. And the biggest story in that is the possibility of the smart union going on strike with BNSF Rail. And they would also be potentially going on strike with the Brotherhood of Locomotive Engineers and Trainmen basically the two unions that make a significant chunk of bulk freight in the United States run. (laughs) And as per the Smart Union site at smartunion.org, the reason they are doing this is because they argue the company's policies regarding attendance during COVID have been actively punitive towards workers who are calling out sick. Workers are being overloaded with extra shifts and uh, involuntary overtime. And uh, they are at this point not on strike yet, which is a thing that's been bouncing around on like left Twitter and stuff that folks are going, okay, this is a strike. What's happening is smart. And the BLET are asking their membership for strike authorization. (laughs) And in case you're wondering what the BNSF covers as far as railways, it's basically all the important routes um, across the Rockies and well, most. Not quite all, but most of the important certainly the ones that like bridge out from uh, Los Angeles and Long Beach remember those guys and um, they also run pretty much the entire railway network in 
the Midwest. So. Yeah, not to mention large chunks of Texas across the Rockies, basically sort of essential for making the Pacific Coast and large chunks of the Rocky Mountain region connect with the rest of the United States of America. And to give like a brief little bit of context, rail is the second largest channel as far as percentage of tonnage after trucking for moving goods in the United States of America, like far and away. So from getting things to different parts of the country, it's not things like air freight. It's predominantly still trucks and rail. And it needs to be said, historically speaking, because of the way things have gone with passenger rail and stuff in the United States of America, as well as that predominantly the business of rail in America has been hauling bulk goods from points of extraction to points of production. That means that things work kind of differently from in Europe where rail strikes, particularly around transit are fairly common, but in the United States, actual like rail union strikes are rare. Like the last one that I could find that's happened before now was like by like, folks like smart or the blet was like 1946 which happened to coincide with a big wave of general strikes all over the united states one year before the taft Hartley act yup and you have to really go dig deep before that to like rail strikes unlike other forms of labor strikes were really not as common because whenever a significant rail strike happened it sort of threw a giant wrench into how everything functioned in the united states like it's why well before any other sector of the economy was organized under any kind of legal unions there was a framework for recognizing railroad worker unions because in the early like 1900s the political class concluded you know what we don't really want to have to fight this out again let's specifically give these guys a carve out (laughs) so yeah when like when we're talking a rail strike in the united states we're not talking something like british rail back in the day slowing down transit we're talking this would disrupt the movement of critical commodities throughout the continental united states and the causes are all the same things that are happening with teachers and with nurses and as we've covered in previous episodes other workers up and down the supply chain yeah i mean this is literally the sea and see priming right here this is how it functions you choke it off and i don't know that the entire economy would drop dead instantly it would take a little time but it would still be just as fatal like there's not a lot you can do when this is how goods move in the United States. Like, any sort of bulk shipping is done 
by rail. Or if not, by truck. But as you probably noticed, you know, trucking ain't doing so hot. It's not like trucks can make up for multiple rail lines going, critical rail lines crawling to a halt. Especially Mm -hmm. not when, as we just saw in fucking Virginia, there are multiple places where all it's going to take is a, like, unexpected natural phenomena and everything's grinding to a halt. Yeah. Like, you know, in a good year, like, the South, large parts of the South will grind to a halt because a snowflake touched the ground. Um, There's a reason for that. It basically boils down to they don't have the equipment to clear snow. And it usually only gets to, like, around 30-ish degrees, so, you know, the snow melts and then freezes, and then there's more snow or there's rain, and, you know, you can't drive on that shit. Nobody can. Not even in the Northeast, so suck it, Chase. (laughs) And because, of course, just in time logistics just in time supply chains mm-hmm. means nobody has flex capacity to deal with this yeah like like the, the number of significant firms that have any kind of strategic reserve that does not involve an unprecedented level of cash on hand is you know approaching zero in terms of the ones who actually are moving these commodities that, you know, do things like keep the lights on. And it's like, like, for instance, um, I heard this recently, like, apparently CDW, they're, they've been around for, like, all of my life. Um, they're a major electronics reseller, um, a value-added reseller, a VAR, um, if you, you know, know about old school IT, you've probably heard of that. They're, um, they ran out of stock like quarter ago? Like, they uh, they laid in a lot of supplies over the pandemic to make sure that everything would keep running. Um, because, you know, you never know when some customer of yours is going to have some huge fucking order and it's it's on you to be able to ship within the week no matter what because that's kind of their guarantee well they just told everyone that oh we can't do that anymore a lot of stuff is going on allocation um a lot of our lead times are blowing out to you know anywhere from four to six weeks to months and that was with, you know, aggressive measures to buy stock um, for office supplies, for electronics, for all sorts of things. Um, they did the best they could, and they only managed to make it a year and a half. Like, most of <laughs> You know, to jump back to, like, you know, the zero COVID shit we talked about before, Mm -hmm. and, you know, we're not going to 
dig too deep onto the mechanics of zero COVID because we're not public health experts. We are a couple of cranks on the internet who like throwing rocks at business pundits because we're that kind of nerd. Um, mm-hmm. We have like an advanced degree between the two of us. Yes. So, you know, putting this out there, but generally broad strokes, they have done like a track and trace kind of thing that involves some targeted lockdowns. And there have been some examples has been reported in Reuters and in like, you know, some different supply chain periodicals about a couple of ports that have shut down because of these measures, as well as some flights to the U.S. being canceled. So, you know, on its own, that's not stuff that's, like, world-ending, but it's something that you gotta keep in mind, that outside powers are going to be responding to what the U.S. does, and what American COVID policy is. So, since China's already starting to cancel some flights from the U.S., and has shown they're willing to disrupt global supply chains to maintain zero COVID, at least to a limited extent... I think that part of what's at work here is that there's variables that are just completely outside of the control of the United States. And the worse circumstances get, the more likely it is that China's going to say, you know what, we're going back to some of our lockdown policies because the fuck, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we thought that this administration knew how to, like, put their pants on. You know, it's one leg after the other. Come on. Oh, God. (laughs) Like, it's all of these little things, you know? Like, every so often, one little thing shits itself. People briefly panic, and then it goes back to normal. You know, that's the way it's kind of all. Um, and now it's just a daily occurrence. It's, it's Tuesday. It's basically just Tuesday now. Every Tuesday, or basically every day, you know, one small part of the economy shits itself. And, you know, that's what we're dealing with. That's that's the fallout of all these decisions. So to get back to our thesis on this, which is involuntary shutdown at this point is inevitable. Mm -hmm. This is why we're arguing this position is at this point, the political and business class in the United States has decided the best way to beat COVID is to punch it out, which is not working. And plays to everything that makes covid spread this is depleting multiple critical forms of labor that require a degree of specialized knowledge that are not seeing sufficient replacement coming from any direction and this is at least as we're seeing with smart and the blet pushing workers to the edge of mass action of the kind that is like exceptional even by the standards of 
the labor movement at its most militant. Like, we may be seeing a situation where directly because of COVID, possibly starting with SMART, who knows? We'll see how the balloting goes. We're going to be watching that one closely. That starting with smart there may be other unions that start doing the same thing and as we've speculated on this pod before and as we've argued on here it would not be possible for the u.s labor movement as it currently stands to initiate a general strike of their own accord but it looks like we might be in conditions where the people in charge provoke a general strike purely because everybody is reacting to generally dangerous and indecisive conditions by doing the only thing they can do to stop it. And there's probably a lot of other people that are unorganized who would be pretty sympathetic to that. So it's fucking playing with matches in a room full of gunpowder. Yeah, I just, <laughs> I mean, there is one alternative to, to this, and it's basically just the system just shits itself at times. Like, if they somehow manage to hold off a general strike of this nature, it won't be because they've solved the problem, because I don't think the problem is solved. Rather, it'll just be the system gives up. It just everything just falls apart. Yeah, like maybe not quite all at once. Mm-hmm. Certainly, some places like, for example, like on the West Coast, where earlier COVID prevention measures mitigated the worst of it. Um. And the healthcare system doesn't seem to be totally dead yet, and also happens to be right next to the big giant ports. Um, mostly next to the big giant ports. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're not saying full collapse. What we are saying is that we may effectively be in a lockdown situation regardless of what the Biden administration wants, because so many critical components of the economy have just ceased to function. Or are on fire. Or are on strike, which to them would look like being on fire. So yeah, I guess that's basically the gist of it. Maybe, you know, expected circumstances will be averted if, like, say, the Kaiser Newsom joke becomes reality and GavGav issues a lockdown or something, but 
that feels like that needs to happen in the next two weeks. Just on vibes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like... Uh, I just, I don't, I don't see a way around it. Um, just maybe start thinking over in your head what you can do to help the strike committee that inevitably is going to happen in some form or another. Yep. It's going to be bigger than the midterms, whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> I mean, if you're into electoral sports ball, um, things are bleak. <laughs> and I don't know that any, like, Democrats listen to this. Um, hi, if you are. I think we have, like, three. <laughs> Four. Mm-hmm. Like... I'm sorry, but this is like you're gonna lose. <laughs> like you know, unless the game changes dramatically and you know, maybe if you're not looking at electoralism or you're still vaguely looking at electoralism, just keep an eye on what's happening with all this shit of all these places because maybe there will come a time where you're going to need to do something very different and you're going to have to do it very quickly because that's going to be what matters not this msnbc bullshit yeah like the reason i say the democrats are going to lose this one is pretty simple they're they're not doing Like the entire legacy of the Biden administration thus far has been. <sighs> Is it possible to make jerking off noises on on the air? Maybe. <laughs> I feel, I feel like the, you know, the people at Trash Teacher would probably know, but it's like that's basically all that's happening. <laughs> Like, yeah. Like the legacy is nothing. It's nothing. <laughs> and it's like y'all realize what happens when a political party spins its fucking wheels like this. They get out. So yeah. Buckle up and get ready for who knows what's going to come out of all this because it looks like there's going to be a epic train wreck coming. <laughs> yeah. So, from all of us at Chop Shop, good luck and maybe like watch some cat videos or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, while the internet's still up. Watch some cat videos. Yeah. <sighs> well, bye, everyone.